Buckle up. With a divided Congress come January, the next two years leading up to the 2020 presidential election promises to be a bumpy ride. Hello, I'm Matt Kittle, investigative reporter at MacGyver News Service. Earlier this week, U.S. Senator Ron Johnson joined me on the Jay Weber Show on News Talk 1130 WISN in Milwaukee to talk about the road ahead following last week's midterm elections. The Wisconsin Republican is our guest today on MacGyver Newsmakers. Good morning, Senator. How are you? Good morning, Matt. And listen, before we hop into the, the election coverage, I was listening to your earlier segment about Veterans Day. Yes. And I don't know if you caught the Saturday Night Live episode with uh, Congressman Dan Crenshaw. I did. It was, it was hideous, and it's just a new low for SNL, by the way. No, 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 no. The the that that was when he was accusing him. The, the oh, I'm sorry. I caught that one. The, the yeah, the the weekend before, and that that caused a great stir. But uh, they they had a follow up, did they? Yeah, and you go go check it out. It, it actually is. It's it's actually excellent. I mean, it was apology offer, apology accepted. Okay. Crenshaw did a great job, but so so did Pete Davidson, who lost his dad in 9/11. Yeah. But uh, one of the things that Dan Crenshaw mentioned is, you know, say hey, thanks for saying thanks for your service. Start using the phrase "never forget," right? Because we never can forget. I mean, the enormous sacrifice. And again, I, I, I appreciate your your early entry, you know, the story you told. I've I've heard so many stories of mm-hmm. unbelievable valor and bravery, bravery for the finest among us, and, and we never can forget. And that's what this day is all about. So again, no, you're absolutely right. Show that way. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I appreciate that too. I'm I'm sorry, I did not see that the SNL that they did a follow up to this. I did see the original clip when this Pete Davidson kid. You know, trying to be funny, but uh, is poking fun at this war veteran, decorated war veteran, who lost an eye in combat. And uh, even his cast, fellow cast members said, hey, this, this is going too far. And it's, it's great to know that he came back on the show over the weekend and said that. But frankly, I've, I've turned that off. I've turned off the late night talk show stuff. They're just The hatred for Trump is just so intense and so insane that I just can't navigate it. And I just saw this as a clip. It was forwarded to me. Watch the clip. It was a a good moment. It's a good moment. Yeah, I sure will. more moments like that. You bet. And when you say never forget, I mean, that's important to note, too. That is the backstory of this this dumb kid on Saturday Night Live, this uh, Pete Davidson. He did lose his father in in, uh, 9-11. We can't forget that. And as the chairman of the Homeland Security Committee in the U.S. Senate, that is your job on a daily basis to never forget that what happened on September 11, 2001, what we have seen is the follow-up to that, and the real true war on terror that continues to go on to keep our borders safe from letting terrorists in, yet we are uh, about to engage in a battle with newfound power on the left, the same people that want to get rid of ICE and want to open up the borders. How, how, do, you, how do you work with this new group? Well, you try and find areas of agreement, and the way I try and do it, Matt, is I just lay out the reality of the situation. I mean, the, the fact that every few days we have a caravan-sized group of people either being apprehended, coming between the ports of entry illegally, or showing up at the ports of entry uh, without proper documentation. So we, we have incentivized, we've rewarded people coming to this country illegally or undocumented uh, outside of the legal process, and it's overwhelming our system. I mean, that's just a fact. So we have to lay out the facts. We have to try and find the areas of agreement in terms of establishing goals. I mean, our goal should be to reduce the flow of people trying to get in this country illegally. Our goal should be to secure our border for a host of reasons, 
national security, public health and safety, our opioid and, and overdose problem. There's so many reasons why we have to get better control over our borders, which we simply don't have right now. And again, if you lay out the facts, try and set aside the rhetoric, rhetoric set aside the demagoguery, and work on solving the problem, of, uh, you know, all centered on the goals that we should agree on, a safe, prosperous, and secure America. Yes, indeed. And uh, hopefully we can find some common ground on that front. Here's a question from a listener. It's a little involved, but I think it's a very good question, and it's something you've been dealing with for quite some time on the committee. Uh, with uh, Nadler and Schiff about to take over judiciary and oversight, Trump now has limited time to declassify whatever he will, including the uh, the uh, FISA applications. He had FIDA here, but I believe they mean FISA applications, such that uh, Jordan Gowdy uh, Nunes can review it, and once the Dems take control of the House in January, pass what we learn. Basically, the question here, without going too much deeper in it, uh, I know you've been working on trying to get information and, and get the White House to declassify this. Where does that process stand, and do you think that the president will indeed, with the clock ticking on some of this stuff, get more information out there? Well, first of all, I understand that my staff has been in constant contact with the, the House staff of, of Nunes and Jordan and, and uh, Meadows. But there's a, there's a separation between House and Senate. That's just natural. Senator McConnell put... Richard Burr is head of the, uh, the chairman of the Senate Intel Committee in charge of that investigation. I obviously headed up the investigation under the Hillary Clinton email scandals, and mm-hmm. we got the investor, in, in Inspector General's report on that. But I'll be working with, uh, we assume, Chairman Graham and myself. I'm Chairman of Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs. I'm chairman of the, the Senate Oversight Committee. And so if we don't have the House committees looking into this, and I don't like duplicating effort. That's why we just stayed in contact. I think they've been doing yeoman work on that. But if they're no longer in power, and they will no longer be in power, I'm not going to let this issue die. I'm sure Senator Graham isn't going to either. So we're going to get the facts out. I'm dedicated to getting the truth to the American public about exactly what happened inside our intelligence community, inside the FBI, inside the Department of Justice, uh, under the Obama administration, but then also as it filtered into the Trump administration as well. The American people deserve the truth. I During the, during the recess here a few weeks ago, I went back to D.C., had about an hour and a half meeting with FBI Director Ray, and that was my main point, is we have got, we have to restore the integrity of the FBI, and the only way we do that is uh, by having full disclosure of what happened. We can't have the public suspicious at all about the FBI's motives under James Comey. Indeed. Speaking of uh, James Comey, uh, interesting to find out over the weekend that the former uh, FBI director was sending out all kinds of emails on a secret email or on a personal email, if you will, keeping that out of sight of open records. It sounded a great deal like what we experienced here in Wisconsin during the John Doe investigation when we had these these bad apples, these prosecutors and government bureaucrats sending uh, information back and forth about the secret John Doe investigation over their personal or private accounts, a uh, private server, so that they wouldn't be, tech- be detected in an open records request, that raises some serious questions. It looks like there was nothing in terms of top secret information or the sort of stuff that uh, could be problematic for national security, but yet James Comey using these secret channels to communicate. What do you think about all that? Well, first of all, there, w- there was information sensitive enough that they wouldn't release it to the press. 
But again, this just further undermines the public's confidence in the FBI and the Department of Justice and their willingness to come come clean. And it, tell me, it, I mean, let me tell you, it really undermines my confidence in them because we've requested this information, and yet mm-hmm. it only comes out with a FOIA request. So it once again shows that the administration, both on both parties, just could really care less about congressional oversight. They, they just they're, they're, we have no ability to really enforce. For example, uh, when we cite them in contempt of Congress, because it goes to the Justice Department for prosecution. So. Congress ends up being pretty toothless in terms of any sanctions against administrations that don't, that aren't forthright in terms of providing our information in our oversight responsibility. But all we can do is really make this uh, public. And, you know, we've actually done a pretty good job in, in revealing the, the page struck texts, which were pretty revealing as well. Yes, so indeed. this is a, a slow process, way slower than it should be. But no, I'm, I'm absolutely dedicated to getting to the bottom of all this. Senator Ron Johnson joins us just for a few more minutes and just a couple more questions, if you don't mind. Your thoughts on post-election madness in Florida, in Georgia, in Arizona, and to a degree in Wisconsin. I, first, let's start with Wisconsin. Were, were you, did it strike you as curious, uh, interesting, or concerning that we found 45,000 votes at the end of the election night, basically, in Milwaukee County, and that was all the difference in the world for a Tony Evers victory and a Scott Walker loss. It, it, it did, but again, I think uh, the Walker campaign is pretty much on top of that. The, the, the issue here is really absentee ballots and early voting. And as more and more people do absentee balloting, and you know, rather than show up with your, your ID and you, you all automatically say, okay, this is a, a valid vote, now people are checking signatures against files, and that just takes more time. And I think the election officials are becoming overwhelmed on this, I think when you take a look at the country, it is, it is amazing. It seems to be Dem- Democrat precincts that have the biggest problem here. And, you know, it, it does raise your, your alarm bells. You become a little suspicious of this. But, you know, again, you have to have, to a certain extent, faith in the candidates and their campaigns themselves of overseeing this, poll watchers. You know, you've got Democrats and Republicans watching these polls. So, uh, you know, again, I'm, we have to hop on top of this. We have to, you know, really, really make sure that, you know, these, these elections are fair and as free of fraud as possible. Uh, you know, to deny that there's fraud in elections is, is I think, ridiculous. If there is fraud. It all depends on how much. And, you know, when you have massive, uh, uh, a massive victory, for example, like Tammy Baldwin over Lee Vukmir, uh, you know, fraud is not going to uh, be a factor of that. And apparently Governor Walker, his campaign, realized that there were too many votes and and any kind of a hijinks in, in the election wouldn't make a difference anyway. So, again, I, I'm, I'm satisfied the result in, in Wisconsin is, is valid. But, you know, one thing I want to point out, Matt, is I've heard a lot of people criticize Republican Party. You do it, and I think you pointed out this earlier, Governor Walker got more votes in this re-election than he got in his previous re-election. Yes. A little less than the recall effort. Right. This was just shy of presidential-level turnout. Our problem was that the Democrats were more energized, and they turned out an, an amazing amount for a mid-year, mid, mid-term uh, election. And you know, the analogy I've been using is I've talked to party leaders across the state over the last number of days is a golf analogy. If you're, you know, you're tied in, in a tournament, you're coming up the 18th hole, and you, know, you sink a birdie putt, your opponent sank a 60-foot eagle putt and won the election. So... You know, hmm. we, we have to make sure that we're perfect moving forward. I'm in contact with party leaders. Uh, we're we're going to get the 2020 as, as, as right as we possibly can. We're dedicated to doing so. 
The problem is, Senator, is that at the end of the day, with that golf analogy in mind, I'll put it in the parlance of miniature golf, uh, I'm, I'm afraid that the voters have stuck us with the clown nose of golf uh, and nobody wins a free game, that's for sure. <laughs> well, but we, we, have to, we have to live with the election results, I suppose. Well, the good news in Wisconsin is we increased our majority in the state Senate mm-hmm. and uh, ma- maintained a strong majority in the Assembly. And so we'll definitely be a check on anything that uh, Tony Evers wants to do that would take us off this path that Governor Walker and the state uh, legislators put us on, you know, this very prosperous path in Wisconsin. So, again, we've got that check and balance now. Obviously, I'd much rather have a Republican governor putting us you know, more solidly on that, on that path. But it is a pretty interesting result around the state. Republicans still have, uh, you know, very good electoral success. It's just the overwhelming support Democrats have in Dane County and in Milwaukee uh, in those two pockets. Indeed. There are lessons to be learned. And I know speaking with campaign officials in the uh, Walker campaign, they intend to learn those lessons, the Republican Party in general, and they will be ready for 2020. That's what I keep saying. I think you have the sense that that will happen, too. As always, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, I know there's much work ahead, and I know you're rolling up your sleeves and getting down to it. Thanks for joining us again. Well, one thing is certain, uncertainty awaits in the upcoming session of Congress. Thank you for joining us on this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. I'm Matt Kittle reporting.